Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And welcome to edition number six of the Racing Beat Podcast right here on the Believe.com Podcast Network. You can also find us on your favorite podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. This week, we're talking to the man who had a fantastic run this past Sunday in the NHRA season opening Gator Nationals down in Gainesville, Florida. We're talking to J.R. Todd, who won the Funny Car Division. Great way to start the season. His first win since... Uh, 2019, off to a great start and a great run for not only him, but also his Kalita Motorsports teammates. So let's get going with J.R. Todd. I'm pleased to welcome J.R. Todd, the big winner this past weekend at the Gator Nationals in uh, Gainesville, Florida, the NHRA season opener. J.R., thanks for joining us here on the Racing Beat. I really appreciate it. I mean, big, huge win for you down there in Gainesville, not only to start off the season, but you know, you're, you moved into some, some very exclusive company. We'll talk about that in a minute, but how, how are you feeling? I mean, uh, we're, we're taping this on Wednesday, three days after the uh, the event. I've got to imagine you're still riding a pretty big high right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with this uh, big break in between Gainesville and, and Las Vegas, we definitely have a, uh, a lot of time to keep riding that high. So, yeah, winning the, the Gator Nationals, that's been the top of my list uh, of races to win for a long time. I mean, it's one of the majors in our sport right there with, uh, you know, winning the U.S. Nationals and uh, both Pomona races. So, for, for a lot of reasons, it's been a, an event that I've wanted to win just because of uh, whenever you think of the Gator Nationals, you think of guys like uh, Big Daddy Don Garlitz, Don Prudhomme, you know, my boss, the legend, Connie Coletta, just so many legendary things have happened at that, uh, that event. And uh, to be able to win there and add your name to that list of legends, it's, uh, it's an awesome feeling. Speaking of that list, here are the seven drivers that have won the four majors, including JR. And those four majors, like you mentioned, are the U.S. Nationals, the Winter Nationals, the World Finals, and the Gator Nationals. The winners in Funny Car have been Don Perdome, Kenny Bernstein, John Force, Cruz Pedregon, Robert Height, Jack Beckman, and now you. I mean, that's very exclusive company, JR. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, when Elon was telling me about this list and showed me the list, some of those guys, you know, are guys that I looked up to as a kid when I was racing junior dragsters and would, you know, go to the U S nationals and the spring nationals and watch and, and, you know, and others I've uh, got to compete with and still compete with. So to be able to, to add my name to that list, it's just, uh, it's kind of a surreal and humble feeling for sure. And uh, I'm very lucky and uh, I owe it all to, uh, you know, my team at Cleta Motorsports. I definitely couldn't do it without those guys. The, the fact that you won the Gators to start the season, what kind of momentum does that give you and the team going forward? Uh, a lot of momentum for sure, you know, especially coming off of uh, the 2020 season that we have was just uh, really disappointing for us. You know, we kind of hold ourselves to a high standard where we expect to go out and, and win as much as possible and then to compete for, uh, you know, a championship. And just with uh, COVID and the pandemic, the way uh, everything fell last year, just it didn't work out for us. But either way, it's, it's no excuse to, to not go out there and win because uh, the Schumacher teams, I mean, they, they, they kicked everybody's butt last year. But I mean, we went to a, a couple final rounds, just, you know, came up short and just weren't able to make it happen. So to kind of, you know, shake that monkey off our back here at the beginning of 2021 and, 
and hopefully we get a, a full schedule in this year and make it a, a, a legit run for the, the, the Cape World Championship. That's, uh, that's all we can ask for. To follow it up, you know, if I ask 10 different drivers, they're going to give me 10 different answers. So I want to get your answer on this. How, do you, how did you get through last season knowing that, you know, your previous win was in 2019? How does a driver get through a season knowing he's close, he's good, he just can't get that win. I mean, what does that play mind games with you at times? Do you start, you know, questioning yourself. I mean, or do you? I mean, what what did you go through mentally last season as the season wore on? I mean, we had so much to deal with last year, but still, you wound up getting into eleven races. You know, we got a season of eleven races. How did you? How do you, as a driver, uh, how did you deal with you know not getting to victory lane? Uh you know, it's tough, especially losing the U.S. Nationals. Like I, I took that one hard. You know, you. You never want to lose in the final round of any race, but when you lose a, the biggest one of the year, that, that one stings for sure. And then knowing that there's not going to be a countdown to the championship, it just made the, every race that we competed in that much more important to, to go out there and try to win and get as many points as possible to be able to contend for that championship. And, you know, as uh, the season went on, just knowing that that, uh, that was falling out of our grasp that you're kind of settling at that point, just, Hey, let's kind of finish up on a, on a high note and trying, you know, win whatever races we can, the, the championships out of reach at this point, but uh, just the cards didn't fall our way. And uh, as you get to, you know, Las Vegas the last year, now you're kind of like, man, I can't wait for 2021 to get here. Just kind of hit the reset button and start fresh. And uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. Now let's look back at 2020, not so much from a performance standpoint, but just from a crazy year with the pandemic. I mean, you guys get through first, the first two races, boom, everything stops for five months. Um, how did you as a driver deal with it? How did you keep busy? You know, uh, did you even think we were going to even have a season if or at some points? Man, that was, that was tough, you know, after, uh, but yeah, after, after Gainesville, there was just so much uncertainty that I definitely didn't know if and when we were going to go back racing. And, and for me, basically all I could do was uh, go to the gym here in Indianapolis pit fit and just try to stay in shape and, uh, you know, keep my mind fresh. And whenever we did get the call to go racing to uh, be ready to go, but there's, you know, too much downtime as a driver. That's, that's the worst. We have that much time just to sit and think, and it, it really tests your patience. And, you know, I caught myself driving to uh, Oklahoma to go pick up this iRacing rig sitting next to me and did that to uh, kind of keep myself busy and, and keep myself sharp anyways, just uh, different forms of racing that way. Right. Did, did that help you? I mean, I mean, how did that help you, the, the iRacing rig? I'm curious, because a lot of drivers last year, and not just in NHRA, but we're talking you know, NASCAR, um, uh, NHRA, IndyCar, Formula One, a lot of guys who were sidelined, did, if they didn't already have rigs, they went out and got rigs to practice on, on the computer. How did that help you in getting one of those rigs? I mean, I, I feel like anything that you can do to uh, work on eye-hand coordination type things, which is a, one thing that we really work on at, a, at the gym, and that's basically what uh, this whole, you know, eye racing deal is. I feel like that's definitely going to help you inside the car, but, but more than anything, it just uh, keeps yourself, driving yourself nuts when you got four or five months off sitting on the couch uh, watching uh, replays of races and just wondering when you're going to go back racing, so yeah, when, when I first got this thing, I mean, I was, shoot, uh, on it till, you know, two, three in the morning with my buddies, just uh, having a good time, passing the time, and more than anything, just trying to keep my sanity. Speaking of keeping your sanity, how how did you deal with all that from a non-competitive standpoint? Because you are a very competitive guy, like everybody is, is very competitive, but I mean, how do you deal with 
not knowing when that next race is going to be, if there's going to be a next race. Like you said, sitting on the couch or eye racing for you know up until late in the, or in the evening and that kind of thing. Was there one thing that kind of got you through? And as a second part of that question, is there something that you learned about yourself during that downtime that you can maybe surprise yourself about? Ah. Uh. <laughs> I'd say uh, the competitive nature, like you said, probably goes back to iRacing, just getting on there and, and learning how to do that and, and competing with my buddies and, you know, smack talking with each other and what have you when, uh, when we're on there competing. But, but yeah, that, that whole downtime, I guess, it just really tested my patience more than anything. And it also gave me a lot of time to, uh, to work on my, my skill back, back going to the gym. Because usually during the race season, you know, we're so busy a week on week off that I don't have a lot of time in between races to, to go to the gym and, and get in you know better physical shape where that much time off, like I have no excuse to uh, not be there and, and working out and working on reaction times and, and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, the uncertainty, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the whole world was in that, that same feeling, just uh, everybody's not at work. You're doing a lot of zoom meetings with, uh, with your sponsors and, and things like that it was just uh so bizarre and then uh you know you're kind of locked down you can't leave your house for the the first month or two it just uh it was a weird feeling but at the end of the day it made me really thankful that uh, I have a boss in Connie Coletta who kept everybody you know on the payroll basically kept the, all the all the crew guys employed by uh by sending them to uh, Oscoda where Coletta Air is to uh you know help service aircraft and uh and machines to help uh build aircraft and just things like that that just shows uh, the kind of guy that he is and uh, his dedication to drag racing and uh it made me uh, appreciate my job that I have more and more because once we were able to go back racing I told myself that as much as it you know you get upset about losing and what have you because you lose way more than you're going to win be appreciative that you're able to come out here and do this after uh, what we just went through I'm going to ask you one specific question about last year last July uh when everybody was getting ready to come back to race the bombshell hits, John Force Racing, they're pulling out for the rest of the season. Do you recall what you first heard? I mean, when you first heard it, what did you first think about when you heard that, you know, the premier driver, the winningest driver, most successful driver, most popular driver is not going to be there for the rest of this season? What, what did you think when you first heard that, that he and his team were going to be pulling out? Yeah, I mean, you always hear rumors of this is happening or this isn't happening, but you never know until you get to the trap track and, you know, first race uh here at raceway park and you know they're they're not there it was like wow this is a an odd feeling because the average fan even those that aren't really fans of drag racing when they hear drag racing or think of drag racing the first person that comes to mind is john force and john force racing so yeah it was different and then you know you see different fans replying to uh twitter or things like that saying it's not a, a legit season or it's not a a legit win or a legit championship because the force teams aren't out there, but uh, it didn't change our approach. You know, we, uh, we still wanted to go out there and win as much as possible and, and uh, contend for that championship because I don't think Matt Hagen's trophy or uh, his ring has an asterisk on it. So it, it reads 2020 championship and uh, we wanted that, but, but it's good that they're out there in 2021. It, it, it's a weird to say that, uh, it's more legit this year than last year, but at the same time, you know, Tommy Johnson Jr. and Jack Beckman aren't out there uh, this year and they're, you know, competing for the championship last year. So it's just, uh, 
it's different, but at least, you know, all the teams that are able to compete for a championship aren't sitting out there or out there racing this year. And uh, that, that, that's what, it, that's the way you want it to be. You want to be able to go out there and, and win against the best and say that, that you beat the best at the end of the day. Last season at the near the end of the season with three races to go, another bombshell hits uh, mellow yellow pulls out of the series as a series sponsor. But fortunately within about a week or so camping world essentially run, rides to the rescue. Talk to me about the change, I mean, the abrupt departure of Mellow Yellow, but at the same time, Camping World came in, and now they've signed a multi-year deal. They're going to be the series sponsor for several more years. What? What? Tell me how that whole thing kind of played out, you know, in, in your uh, estimation. Yeah, when uh, when the word hit about Mellow Yellow pulling out, at that point, nothing surprised me. I mean, just because of, you know, the pandemic and force not racing and, you know, different businesses shutting down and laying off people and teams laying off people, just like one thing after another, it's like, what's the next thing that's going to happen? And then you, you hear about Mellow Yellow. It's like, wow, what a, what are we going to do? Like we need a, a title sponsor to, uh, you know, help pay the fund. You know, I mean, we, for one, we got to have fans in the stands to, uh, to help pay the purse at these events, but uh, that's, that's not enough to pay the, the championship purse. So we got to have a title sponsor and, you know, lucky enough that uh, Marcus Limonis and, uh, you know, his copy Cape World kind of came to the rescue. And it, it, it kind of blew me away how quick that happened. I, I saw kind of the, the back and forth stuff going on on Twitter between uh, he and, uh, and NHRA. And at first I couldn't tell if he was just, you know, messing around trying to get a, a rise or, or, or what the deal was. But uh, sure enough, it happened. And. You know, I, I'm thankful for him coming to the rescue and hopefully uh, him being involved in companies like Camping World will also open the door for, uh, you know, big uh, mainstream companies like that to come in and get involved in any trade drag racing and kind of get it back to where it was and, and above that because, you know, we, we're, we're not where we want to be as drivers and, you know, fans of the sport, but uh, we know that the sky's the limit and that I think companies like that are the, the ones that get us back to where we need to be. Let's talk about 2021. Okay, so the first, the season opener, that gets postponed. Then earlier this week, we find out it's being postponed again until sometime later this season. They don't have a new date yet. But then we also had the Phoenix race, which was totally canceled. We have Gainesville. You win. Fantastic win. Now we're going to go to Las Vegas uh, in about three weeks from now, roughly. Give or, No, actually, no, uh, almost a month now. Now I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, about a month from now is from what we're tap taping today. So you get all geared up for Gainesville. But now you go back to kind of like last year where you got to sit for a month. I mean, what does that mess with the driver's mind at all? I mean, because I mean, you wouldn't, when we have a quote-unquote regular season, when we've had all those years in the past, there was a routine, a rhythm going on for everybody. Now you, you, you have a great win, you have a great race, you have, you know, almost packed stands. Now you got to sit for another month. Tell me about that. Yeah. yeah, as a driver, it's definitely a bummer because I like getting in a routine and getting in a swing of things to where – when you get going, then you have a month off. It's kind of like you're hitting the reset button or starting over again, you know, and I don't know, going to Gainesville. I mean, we had four months off before we were able to, uh, to go test. So a month off, I guess, isn't as bad as what we just went through before. But yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. These races getting postponed and canceled. And hopefully uh, as the year gets going and rolls on that uh, less of that happens and hopefully Pomona kind of falls in line uh, there later this spring or even this summer. And we can, we can make a, you know, most of these events happen because we definitely don't want to lose any events, but at the same time, we need those fans at, at these events. I think it's really important if we have to move them 
to uh, a later date to allow fans to show up, then uh, I'm all for that because Gainesville, it was it was awesome seeing the, the crowd that they had there. And it was almost like the, the Gator Nationals of old, seeing that many people there. And that, uh, that makes it exciting for us drivers because last year was uh, – it's just an odd feeling when we got going out here at Raceway Park. It uh, it was good to have the the few fans that we had there, but at the same time, it's almost like a a glorified test session with uh with fans that are allowed to uh, come out and watch us run. Just quiet, kind of an eerie feeling. But you know, as the year got going last year, more and more fans were allowed to show up, depending on what state we're in. And uh, you know, starting off the season there in Florida at the Gators, that was a that was a big way to start the season with uh, the crowd there. And then even on, on Fox network, that, uh, that was huge as well. Now you're one of the younger guys around, but there's obviously a lot of older guys who, you know, are going to probably be retiring soon. I mean, uh, force you'll be 72 in May. Ron caps is closing in on 60. Uh, height is closing in. I think at 55, if I'm not mistaken, you yourself, I mean, you're just, in essence, you're just getting your career going. I mean, you've got about another. Can you? I mean, can you see yourself doing this 20 years from now still? And I, I hope I'm going that long, Jerry. Uh, you know, I definitely don't want to be racing when I'm 70 plus years old, like John is. But I mean, he's got a love for the sport, and it's uh, it's always ever done, and all he knows, you know. But I want to be uh, retired on the beach somewhere by by the time I'm in my 70s. But but yeah, like you said, you look at guys like uh, like Caps and Robert. I mean, they're still, in my opinion, two of the best drivers in the class. And I, someone, you know, brought this up the other day that, hey, you're not the young kid in the sport anymore. Like, where do you see yourself? I kind of feel like I'm that that mid-pack guy where I'm not old. I mean, although I'll be 40 at the end of this year, I feel like I'm I'm getting older finally. But there's also some some young guys below me that uh, I don't feel comfortable calling them kids either, but I mean, they're younger than me. So I just, uh, I don't know. I'm in that kind of a weird zone where I'm not, uh, not up there. I don't feel like I'm an old veteran, but I'm not a young rookie either. Are you, are you having, I mean, I know I had went through this and a lot of people do had did this. Are you fe feeling some kind of hesitation about turning 40? Uh, a little bit, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I was clean shaved there couple weeks so everybody's like why'd you shave your beard and you know i've been letting my hair grow just things like that like what's going on like well i'm trying to look younger like 40s coming up like but when i tell people how old i'm gonna be or how old i am most people can't believe that i'm that old anyway so i guess that's a, a good compliment or a, a good feeling to have so it's not a midlife crisis that you shave the beard off i mean you just want to look younger basically <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I just want to look younger, but then I had a few people like, hey, like you should grow back a little facial hair. So I did for Gainesville. We ended up winning. So I might keep a little scruff for uh, for the time being. You know, you're in a very unique position among drivers in all motorsports because you drive for such a legendary team owner. I mean, not only did he make his mark as a driver himself, but he continues to make his mark as a, as a team owner. And he's been in this game for well over 50 years tell me what it means to you when you got that call originally to go race for, for Connie and what, what kind of guy is he? I mean, he is so quiet. He doesn't look for the limelight. He doesn't really like to do interviews. I mean, talk to me about how the whole deal came about where you came to a drive for him. And then tell me about Connie, maybe something about Connie that we don't all know. I mean, I, I understand he's a great guy. He's funny, you know, when he's around his, his crew and everything like that, but we really don't know Connie after all these years either. So tell me about, you know, the first call you got when he said he wanted you to drive for him. And then, you know, what kind of guy is he? Yeah, I mean, 2014, I'll never forget that call. That was definitely a call that, that changed my life. And, you know, I knew Connie, but never really talked to him a whole lot. Just 
in passing at the track and what have you. So he obviously would know him that well. And then to, to get that call kind of out of the blue, especially during an event that was already going on in Las Vegas, it just kind of blew my mind. And I, I almost couldn't believe it has happened. Like, is this a joke or like, is he serious? So I had to call some other people at the time on the team, like, Hey, like what's going on here? Like, well, you know, like it's Connie, you know, he's wanting to make a change and uh, this is what's happening. So uh, I was at that point, I told myself I'm doing whatever it takes to get to Las Vegas tomorrow morning. And this was, you know, nine or 10 o'clock at night on a Friday, like not much time to get to Las Vegas by 7 a.m. or whatever it was I had to be there by. So, yeah, I wasn't taking no for an answer from anybody at, at, at that point. And, uh, yeah, get out there and hop in his hot rod. And, you know, he was uh, pretty easy going. You know, we uh, we got the car qualified mid-pack, I think, 10th or something like that. And uh, won first round and then get beat second round on a whole shot. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get my butt chewed now. I think I just just met this guy, a fish, not didn't just meet him, but, uh, you know, I get the chance to drive for him and to lose this way. It's like, it's not a, a great showing on my part, but now he was excited and, uh, you know, didn't yell at me or anything. He said, Hey, we're going to win some races together. And, uh, it wasn't long after that, you know, we, uh, we won our first race together that, that year in, in top fuel. And from then on, our relationship just become awesome. I think, I mean, he's a, a great guy to work for, you know, you hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, how he's, uh, kind of gruff and can bark at you and, uh, you know, it can be tough, but, what I learned is, you know, if you make a mistake, just own up to it and be honest. I mean, that's all he wants from you is just uh, for you to go out there and give your best because he definitely gives you all the uh, the parts and pieces and the resources that you need to go out there and do your job to the best. So that's uh, that's kind of what I've done since 2014, and uh, it's worked out. You know, we've uh, we've won some races together. I've been lucky enough to uh, to win driving his dragster and share the winner's circle for him, which or with him, which is uh, really special. And, and when we went in that funny car now, that's uh, Scott's car. That uh, that's really special, especially when he comes up and tells me he's proud of me. He's got that big old smile on his face, and he doesn't have to do this, you know. He's 83 years old. He could be doing whatever he wants in this world. He's got a, uh, you know, an airline that makes a, a boatload of money, and he chooses to go NHRA drag racing, which I give uh, a young punk like me, uh, that's uh, that's awesome. The only way I can pay him back is by uh, winning races and hopefully uh, more championship trophies. Was there a significant change for you as a driver? <clears throat> Excuse me, because you you signed with him in '14 in Top Fuel, but then you transitioned to Funny Car. Was was there a big transition for you to go from the dragster to the Funny Car? Uh, there was a a huge transition, one that was bigger than I thought it was going to be. You know, I. Uh, for whatever reason, when I got started racing the the dragster for Connie, I was always close with the the DHL team just because I'd known uh, Nikki Bonafani since basically I got started in in drag racing back in 2000 and known John O and was really good buddies with Dell. I mean, I even worked for Dell at, at one point in my career. So, so always spent a lot of time just hanging out in their pit and in their trailer and going to dinner with those guys and what have you. So uh, I'll never forget, I was at Disneyland with uh, with Nikki and, and his family after uh, the banquet there in 2016 and, you know, gets a call from Dell saying that, you know, he's going to go back and race with his dad. And Nikki's like, hey, man, uh, I think there's a chance you're going to be driving the DHL car next year if you want to. And not, when he told me that, I was like, are you kidding me? Ever since I worked for uh, Bob Gilbertson back in uh, the early 2000s, 
I had a chance to uh, test his funny car uh, at, the, at the Indy test here. And that kind of planted the seed where I told myself, if I ever get the opportunity to drive a, a top-notch funny car, it's something I want to do in my career. And, uh, and those guys have won the championship in 2015 with Dell. And I thought, Hey man, this is probably my best opportunity to make a run for a championship. And, you know, it's a, a great team, a great car. And, uh, it's going to be basically up to me to basically, you know, be the guy to, to go out there and, and win. Like if it, if it doesn't win, doesn't succeed, it's going to be because I didn't do my job. Like those guys are, are, are a championship caliber team. So yeah, Connie kind of, you know, gave me my blessing and said that I should go do it. And uh, it's uh, it's been an honor. Like I said, Scott's car, it always will be his car. I'm just uh, the lucky one that gets to drive it and try to uh, honor him the best that I can. Exactly. I, I, I want to ask you this question with all due respect. I understand you got um, a little teary-eyed Sunday. And I understand why, because that's where Eric Medlin, who was a good friend of yours, uh, lost his life, you know, during a test session for when he was with J JFR. I mean, it's been 13, 14 years now uh, since he we lost him, but that you, a lot of fans, members of the media, all remember him like it was just yesterday. Can you kind of talk about why, or you know, what what led you to get teary eyed, you know, and and you know, commemorate or you know, essentially, uh, you know, dedicate the win, if you will, to Eric's uh, memory because he was such. I mean, he was he was going to be. A big champion. There was no question about it. I mean, he was a young guy. He had a lot of uh, finesse. You know, great driver. Can you? I mean, can you kind of talk about winning a race or winning a, a race at a track where he, you know, he unfortunately lost his life? Yeah, that's uh, ever since his accident. You know, I was there when it happened. I I spent time with him and talked to him five minutes before he got in the car and just you know saw the whole thing. And he and I were really good buddies with the. Uh, Brandon Bernstein and just uh we're always together having a good time and Eric's personality I mean he was bigger than life like he could always put a smile on your face no matter what and every every time I hear like how long it's been since or think about how long it's been since his accident it kind of blows me away how much time has flown by like you said it seems like it was yesterday when it happened so yeah I mean since that happened I've always wanted to win the Gator Nationals just because of that just kind of you know doing it in his memory and his honor and we were lucky enough the very next race after his accident was uh, the race in, in Houston. And I uh, won there driving for Dexter Tuttle on top fuel. And I couldn't wait to uh, be able to give his tro or give that trophy to, uh, you know, his mom and dad. And just uh, thought that was a cool way to, to honor Eric. So, so yeah, I feel like even before I ever got into a funny car, when I was a crew guy at Gilbertson's when I first met Eric and he was always pushing for me to drive. Like he knew that I had driven in the past, uh, you know, I train, what have you. And, you know, I'll never forget when I made that run in uh, Gilbertson's car, Eric was uh, towing back up from the return road because he just run in front of us and comes running out of the tow vehicle. I'm back up for the burnout and I see him run up to the wall and make sure that uh, he can watch me run. So he was always kind of pushing for me to drive a funny car. And it's uh, it's pretty cool to be able to uh, to win in funny car at, at the Gator Nationals and in Sonoma, just tracks that uh, meant a lot to him and mean a lot to us because of him and be able to, uh, to hoist a trophy and, and think of him, it's uh, it's pretty awesome because every year that that you roll in the games, well, that's one of the, the first things that pops in my head is uh, is Eric for sure. Looking at twenty twenty one, you know, you you checked off the Gator Nationals off your bucket list. What's the next race this season that you're pointing to, saying I want to win this one, and why? 
to the next one on the schedule, man. I want to win every race that we show up to. Uh, I feel like we have the team and the car that's capable of winning every time we show up. I mean, there's uh, there's races on this, plenty of races on the schedule that uh, that I haven't won yet. So any of those is ones that I that I want to check off. I want to be, uh, you know, the guy that's up there with Caps and and Tony Schumacher and those guys that are able to say that they've won here and won there. I mean, it's a uh, it's a long list of drivers that have uh, had a lot of success at all these races, and I feel like I'm, you know a ways behind but it's also cool to be able to say that uh you've won these events uh, with these guys so more than anything i just want to be able to uh roll into the countdown of the championship and, and being running for the championship and and hoist that trophy at the at the end of the year with uh, the cape world drag drag racing series uh that's uh that's our goal every year and i feel like that we have a, a legit shot at this year to follow that up you know one thing that your teammate doug has not won is a championship what would it mean for both you and he to win your respective championships next, uh, at the end of this season? Oh man, that, uh, that would be a dream come true. I, I've been a Doug Coletta fan way before I started driving for Coletta Motorsports. He's, uh, in, in my opinion, one of, if not the best ever driving top fuel that, uh, definitely the best that's ever won a championship. I mean, he is more than deserving of it. And, uh, if we're able to, to stand on stage, at the end of the year together winning a championship i think uh i don't know i don't know if ypsilanti michigan or if nhra is ready for that because it'll be a, a hell of a party from Coletta motorsports i can tell you that but before that we need to double up at a national event and you know win the same event together that's something that hasn't happened in the history of Coletta motorsports and you know we've been close many times almost pulled it off there in gainesville with uh with Sean Langdon, but whether it's Doug or Sean, I, I think that'd be a, an awesome accomplishment to do for Connie. And ideally we want to win, uh, you know, two championships. That's why we're out there. And uh, that's our goal. Great. Well, JR, thank you ever so much for joining us here on the racing beat podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck in Vegas. I mean, I know you probably would have liked to be at Pomona. I know everybody would like to be at Pomona, but obviously circumstances dictated it'll be later in the year. I mean, I'm I'm just wondering if maybe they may have two races back to back, you know, in Pomona. By the time this whole thing gets over with, you know, you know, you may have, you know, uh, one race on a Saturday, another race on a Sunday, and you know, combine them in the same weekend. But, uh, but again, thank you ever so much. Congratulations again on the win of Gator in the, the Gator Nationals, and we'll be talking to you soon, I'm sure, uh, as the uh, rest of the season goes on. Thanks a lot, Jerry. I appreciate it. All right, all right. That's J.R. Todd, the winner of this past Sunday's Funny Car Race, the finals in the season-opening NHRA Gator Nationals at Gainesville Raceway down in Florida. We'll be back with more episodes next week, including uh, we'll be talking to Michael Eubanks, who was our IndyCar specialist. We'll be talking about what the, the season brings in 2021. And if you want to, check out some of the past podcasts we've had uh, since we started this back in early February. We've had Ray Ebernham, Don the Snake Prudhomme, Kenny Bernstein, Rusty Wallace, and Glenn Cromwell, the president of NHRA. So hope you enjoy this one, and check definitely check those out as well, too. Go to Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and in the search bar, type in The Racing Beat, and you'll see all the work we've done. Well, that's it for this episode, episode number six of The Racing Beat. We'll be back with episode number seven with Michael Eubanks and talking about IndyCar next week right here on The Racing Beat Podcast. Have a good week, everyone. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.